struggle. You're like, yeah, <laughs> it's so much easier now than it was when I did. I had to have all that other actual peripheral nonsense and <laughs> nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I almost counted. No, it's well, like I have my mic under the phone or under the computer so that like it catches me really well. And then it sets up with the speakers. So it's all direct and I have it all done through my, my audio setups. So it works out really well. It's when I'm on the road, that's what the hard part now for this. Cause like when I do these at like, when I'm going to Denver and shit, I have to take the remote mics and all the different multi-directionals and omnidirectionals. And it's such a pain in the ass. Cause I have to carry like six sets of headphones. Cause yeah, it's a bitch. So yeah, I never, I never really got that whole thing dialed in when I was doing it, but um, the apps came a long way in that time. And I did have enough of, like peripheral stuff to make it like kind of okay but any any ones on the road were usually pretty terrible like either uh audio right off the phone microphone or whatever or if i don't know just thinking back about all those weird little i, I loved your studio in veil that was cool yeah the actual room was was way that cool was badass. like i'm trying to like even a little bit make that happen not in that room was tough you know yeah so I'm just giving you shit. Hopefully we'll record the, this one this time though. Yeah, get it done since this is this how do we were gonna have you do the season opener is what it was gonna be. And then yeah, that was like impossible to get done, impossible to schedule. Then we get it all done, and then the whole fucking software thing fucked up. But I think I got all the bugs figured out on my computer at least. Right. So because yeah. you're you're actually my sixth recording, you'll be episode four. Fuck that. Boop. <laughs> well, some of it we have to wait because it's uh, I, I have talked to a couple of musicians and are waiting on releases of tour dates and album stuff. So until we have that, I can't put those episodes out. But the beauty is, is I'm going to do this today, render it tonight, and you'll be out tomorrow. Cool. That'll be the fastest turnaround I've got this season. And you say <laughs> me for doing a solo. I hate doing solos. Yeah, it's the yeah. worst. It really is like, I, and my solos, like I was looking through and, and, and some people do genuinely seem to enjoy them. They look at them like, ah, oh, it's cool. Like hearing you just kind of rant or whatever, but I, they tend to get really negative. I try to be positive and I try to be like, oh, I'm going to talk about, you know, do this and submit yourself to art and give in to, man, I end up just whining. I'm just really bitchy apparently. So. I think it's, you know, when you're in a room with somebody else, even if you're like you and I, we're both not the happiest people not oh you know what i mean yeah but without like a different energy of any kind to bounce it off of you just kind of crawl down your own asshole and it's it's hard to say anything that feels like of any value and that's actually one of the reasons that i i really did in the end kill mine just because i you know i i couldn't stand the thought of like trying to find somebody to to sit with me like it was a new new location and knew everything and I had done so much you know solo bitching like you said that it just it just seemed like I didn't I didn't know if I had it in me anymore and I didn't really even want to you know it's just yeah yeah I think uh, even if I found somebody I would have a hard time bringing anything to the to the discussion that wasn't like just flat or awful or mean or whatever you know so well I apologize for the sniffling off the top I don't know have COVID again or something, maybe. But I hope knock not. on wood, hopefully not. <laughs> yeah, I hope not. 
Um, no, your, your show was really organic. And that was the thing I enjoyed the most about it was the, the weird call-ins and having Rob on, or you just, the people you interviewed and the times where you were just not really sure about what you were going to do. And then it ended up being like kind of unexpected gold. And that's, that's when it, when you were like, Oh, I wasn't expecting it to be this episode. And it ended up being this way bigger thing. And the ones that you put a lot of time, like I'm so prepped, I'm so ready. And then they weren't what you wanted. Mm-hmm. I think that that kills a lot of spirit. And for me, that's been the hardest is, is kind of why I'm going as unscripted as possible. I want this more like reactional documentary this season. That was the big thing. And, and it really, in talking mostly to, to Ian and Jobin, that was their biggest thing is they want to start doing interviews. They want to start doing more and they're learning the software and doing stuff. And in order to do that, they can't do They've never done interviews. They've never done magazine or written an article or any of that. They just know how to have a conversation and, and go back and forth. Which so. I think is the best kind. I mean, I, I think I, I fall somewhere in between like the, the, you know, trying to wing it and trying to be prepared so it doesn't look like you're winging it, you know, but right. also to be not, you know, seem, seem to be tied down or ask anything that's hacky or, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough balance. And I, I, I feel like, you know, the friends like you and Rob and like Melissa back when she did it. And, you know, there was a couple others that, you know, they were, it, it was just kind of playing around, but it, we, I would try to come to, to those later discussions in the podcast with notes at least, or just something that wasn't just, you know, Hey, did you see what happened? And blah, blah, blah. You know, like it's, it's tough to make it organic and useful, I think, you know, and even part of why, like, I mean, you've been asking me, we did one, what, six months ago? Yeah. I just got lost. And, you know, this summer, there's been a lot of stuff going on personally, but like even today, what, what, what did you asked me? Are you free today? And what did I say? Black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just like, like I, I'm, I'm in a mode right now where like I actually feel pretty good. You know, personally, things have kind of smoothed out a little bit. But, uh, the idea, and it was back then too, the idea of feigning interest, you know, it's, I don't know if you ever watched Frasier, but there was, Niall smashed his own wife about that. She, she exhausts easily under the, under the pressure to, to stay interesting, you know, that's just how I feel lately, kind of in general. So, um, again, I, hopefully we, we get to something that's worth something today because yeah, I, well, I had to I had to push myself to do this and not because of you, not because of anything, just you know, just kind of like no, sometimes it's a mindset. Face. Trust me, I get it. Um my my biggest issue with everybody that, that I've been working with is just it's not just having content, it's not just having something to talk about, but in a lot of ways, it's it's the scheduling thing. Um one of the episodes yeah. that that had no video this season was with, was with little Paulson, Caitlin Paulson. And, and I absolutely adore that girl. And I'm just, she's very, very easy to talk to. We have great conversations. What, what are you filming? Great. Thanks. Microphone. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But uh, the biggest issue that we had is we could never find time to get her on video because the only time she has to talk is when she's driving to and from work. (laughs) Right. So we recorded on the phone. 
that was the easiest way to do it. And she's like, God, I really feel bad that I didn't do a video for you. And we're trying to figure that out. And then, you know, she's supposed to, we got a convention coming up at the end of the month. She's going to come out to Colorado. That's the whole plan. Well, out of nowhere, she gets approved for an apartment or a condo or something in LA. She's literally leaving Minnesota right now to drive 30 hours to move to LA. Jesus. And she's like, this all happened so damn fast. Like she didn't even give a full notice. But it was, it's still one of those, like, she's like, I feel like I'm letting you down. And I'm like, no, because you have so much more to talk about here in like three weeks. Like, let's just, you know, I'm willing to do that because it is more interesting. The, the thing is, is like, when I talk to people like you, because we talk so seriously about not only our personal lives, but the things that are going on politically, religiously, things of that nature, there's a lot more openness to it. But if it's just on a phone, it loses something. So having that schedule and being able to sit and do this is the hardest part of keeping this podcast going. Right. It really is. Which is also, it's also like why I think I had a little bit easier time of it. Cause I, you know, I, we talked about this the, the last time, but you know, I never, I never really incorporated the video element. Like we did a little bit of like, you know, three or four minutes on YouTube, but just like a, like what, what would have, if, if we had like, you know, long legs and a lot of following, like what would have been like a nice little trailer sort of thing for episodes. But like, you know, when you have 30 followers or whatever we had, um, it it kind of fell flat, you know, people would look at it, but it it wasn't a draw, you know, but I never, if I couldn't get people to come, getting people to come to my actual apartment that had the studio, respectable sandwich studio, by the way, um, that was, the hard part at first and then at, at the end of it in the middle it, it got easier it was weird i even had you know a couple of homies from from denver actually make the the commitment to come and do that you know and uh it was it was cool that way but it, i think the video element makes it harder to to get people to to commit yeah. you know because i it's just something it's just something i i i left off you know i never i didn't buy cameras you know zoom wasn't really a thing skype was but it wasn't it wasn't reliable it didn't feel the same you know the fact that i had to to look at this little square with my face in it on top and then the bigger square with yours there's there's something off putting about yeah (laughs) so but i understand and i I have a sticky note i put my screen when there's a sticky note on my screen that blocks it so i don't see me It's legitimately like, yeah, it's legitimately, that's, in, it's so I stay focused. I've been in therapy a, uh, a very little bit since I talked to you last, so you should, you should learn to love yourself a little more. No, 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 I'm good. I'm an equal opportunity yeah. hater. I hit everybody the same. <laughs> well, I feel like, you know, hate, or if you don't like the word hate, you weren't raised with the word hate, uh, you know, just a strong negative vibe towards something you know, I think I think that's why you and I can sometimes cobble together something interesting because, man, there's just a lot of bullshit going on right now. Yeah, I'm, cur- I'm curious to uh, not to steer things, but I want to talk about uh, a little bit about these new online mental health app thingies. Oh, dude, yeah. Um, I got a little experience in that whole thing and chat a little bit about that and then uh i definitely want to hear your your hopefully going off about what's going on with tfg that fucking guy yeah. 
<laughs> well, there's I, I first off, this is going to be the most current of, of all these. The, the biggest thing that, that's gotten me um, this week, and you talk about mental health. I have a lot of friends in Australia and a lot of friends in Great Britain and things like that online and have been pretty close to several of them with the Queen right. of England passing away. Mm, yeah. People that have, I've been talking since I, since I don't sleep, they know I'm awake and they hit me up in the middle of the night and they're like, why am I so affected by this? Like I was not expecting to feel this way. And they're, they're, they're kind of just emotionally devastated. And a lot of them are starting to reach out, um, you know, and, and talking to, to, to ritual to, to shell and her doing some of her hypnotherapy and online sessions and things like that. She even said the last week has been like really heavy. Like people, from all over the world, just suddenly have this feeling of, I need to talk to somebody. And it's yeah. really kind of strange. Yeah. Um, I had a weird thought about this. Um, it's kind of a stretch to follow me here. Um, I was thinking about like how, you know, people my age or younger, maybe I'm about, about to turn 41 and, uh, like people my age or younger, like how they react emotionally to like, you know, actually personally devastating things. And I started kind of wondering, you know, the fact that like, like say the Sopranos or uh, Breaking Bad, you know, like, like series that, that, you know, that kind of stuff when we were kids, I don't think necessarily existed to the point where, you know, you were, it was, you know, by appointment TV, and you were invested in the in the characters so much that when something terrible in the show happened, it really hit you like a like a death. You know, like if someone if they killed off a character or um, you know anything like that, that it, it really messed people up. And I wondered if it if it plays into you know obviously this is for the people that watch that type of thing. Um, if it plays into like the like a desensitization. Why do I? Uh, still have brain fog i feel like words aren't right i don't think that word was right but being desensitized to yeah i don't know if i said it right i I think you did i think you did good not not being affected so much when like like real things happen you know um it's just a thought that kind of passed through my head um i had probably one of the one of the closest deaths to me i've dealt with a lot of death in my life but um not even two months ago, somebody that I really cared about passed away and it was unexpected and it, it fucked me up pretty good, you know? And it actually, the, the amount, the amount of, of emotion that it brought out was a little soothing. Cause I wondered if, you know, there's so many things in, in our entertainment bucket to draw from that are, you know, instant gratification, uh, entertainment value type of stuff that I I wonder if it makes us not feel life the same sometimes you know and uh, it was it was just a good feeling to feel like oh I you know I do have there's something in here that that feels pain and feels sadness about you know and feels care and having that emotion uncork having that moment of yeah. okay I really still am human yeah and it's not that I don't think that I'm human, but there's, you know, we, you and I, I think we hear about a lot of stuff that's like, what the fuck, you know, like, like things, it's a little amazing how, how life has become, you know, 
it, it was a meme forever ago, but it's like I, I say what the fuck to myself 257 times in a day, you know. And oh, that's yeah. how that's just how how nuts some of the things that, that happen are, you know. The 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 attitudes and the the actions of people, their ulterior motives sometimes, you know, like it, it gets it gets really disheartening, you know. But I guess what I'm saying is, you know, trying to sift through your violent video games and your, you know, your your series that you plow through and you care about the characters and then they kill them off for you, you know. It just felt it felt good to feel like halfway human for once, you know, like halfway in touch with reality. Cause I feel like that's a reality can be a <laughs> I mean, dangerously subjective, you know. <laughs> more than dangerously okay so you brought up video games i mean i remember columbine everybody blaming music you know violent music Marilyn manson and 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 metal and and blaming video games oh you obviously we've been completely desensitized to violence i experienced violence real violence at a very young age real violence and to me I was more susceptible, more heightened, more aware of video game violence or special effects violence or slashers. Like, I mean, you know me, I love horror movies. I do. And I watch the shit that really fucks people up, not just the slashers and the bloodbaths, but I mean, things that people go talk to their therapists about and, and have permanent damage and flashbacks and shit. That's the stuff I watch for me. I've never completely understood the concept of, being desensitized by violence when it's so prevalent. It's almost like, do you ever watch Friends? Oh, duh. Okay. Do you remember the episode where they got How all the I free dress? porn? Yeah. Do you remember the episode where they got all the free porn? Uh, keep going. Yes, but I don't so, remember so what happened. Jo- Joey and Chandler had, were in the big apartment and they got free porn on accident and they just like basically weren't going to work and they were just sitting there watching free porn. For, for yeah. like days. That's all they were doing was watching the free porno channels. And then they, like one of them goes to the bank or goes to work or something like that. And they're in the elevator. And like, I didn't understand it. There was two girls in the elevator with me and they didn't want to have sex. And then I was like, yeah, I went to the store and I saw a bunch of fruit and she wasn't like trying to be sexy with it. And they just looked at you like, maybe we need to turn off the porn. Mm, maybe. And <laughs> that to me resonated so heavily on the violence side. Anything that is mentally, emotionally, or physically stimulating can be absorbed into your everyday existence. It can be something where you're excited by it or not excited by it, depending on what your level is. And it can, that can vary as a photographer, as a videographer. I spend a lot of time around scantily clad, incredibly attractive people. That doesn't mean that I'm just trying to get laid. Correct. I can but play that's, a, that's also games. a hurdle that you have to, you always have to get around when you're, when you're doing stuff, you know? Exactly. And in fact, it's a stigma that you deal with. I, I mean, it's very hard to, to be taken seriously at times. I was like, oh, you're just a creepy old man who wants to hang out with hot girls. That's a very big deal. And I, and I hear that all the time from all sorts of people. But what I guess what my biggest issue with that is that 
just because I'm playing GTA doesn't mean I'm going to go drive around and try and run over hookers and collect $3 at a time until I'm rich because I'm playing COD does not mean that I feel like I'm a Marine. I don't get well, and, and then it, the, the ridiculousness. And, the ridiculousness comes from like, well, it's, it's, it's the, the setting and the, the construct of the game, you know, like we also don't, uh, you know, run across fields and hop on trees and find mushrooms and flowers and stars yeah. to, to help a woman we've never really seen. <laughs> right and say and save her from a dragon like that's not that you know it's also the same it's the same level of ridiculousness uh but i don't know what my point was gone well there's like this there's this <laughs> suspension of disbelief and you do that in movies and you said you know characters like depending on what what the movie is how invested you are in part of the series like i still i've watched the wire a dozen times mm-hmm. god i love the wire anybody when, watching this Go watch The Wire. It doesn't always hold up, like, technology-wise, but that's kind of what makes it cool. Well, because it's, like, uh, it's 2001, I mean, when it was started and everything, I mean, you you go back, you want to know, you want to talk about how policing has changed just in the technology. Go watch season one and then watch season five and then go check out how they do it now. Correct. I mean, it's holy shit. But the, the, the city life, the inner city turmoil, you really get an understanding of... Baltimore and the fact that they talk about education, the fact they talk about journalism, the fact that they talk about politics. I really enjoyed that. But the thing that sticks with me, I can't watch the episode where Omar dies, man. Right. It fucking hurts. Yeah, it sucks. And that's well, and because, he's a bad dude. And that's, that's one of that's that's what's great about the wires because it not only does it kind of like I mean, not kind of, it serves up on a silver platter, you know, violence, corruption, evil, you know, but it's, it's, it serves up all the characters in a way that you can still sort of empathize with, with their struggle, whether they're like considered a good or a bad guy in the show. You know, if, if you're in there somewhere, you'll realize that even the bad guys, like there's something, there's, there's things that pain them too. Yeah, and that's what you know. That's why they they do what they do and things like that. Omar Omar was a different deal. Yeah, the anti-hero thing. I mean, I I think I knew going in because I watched it way late, and I think I knew going in that like pretty much hardly anybody survives. But um, his one, I mean, it's not Game of Thrones level, but it's it's pretty brutal. And and the fact that they integrated some of the real some of the people that were actually the cops that were part of the whole thing when that one detective dies that hurts and you could tell it hurts not just the cops that are on the show but the actors on the show that were playing the cops yeah because not a lot of people realize that a lot of the cops on that show are actually police officers they were not actors they're the ones who produced the show wrote it they were but they played themselves they were right. very real. And a lot of people don't realize that um, it's based on a real family. I actually know a couple people in, in that family. But when you look at all those different things and you look at all the things that people are like trying to experience and, and when they die, Wallace, Michael B. Jordan's character, that fucking hurts. Yeah. I mean, it does. And Where's it, Wallace? Where's Wallace? I, dude, I can't, I can't watch no. it. A movie he's in without hearing it. And I love him yeah. as an actor. I think he's phenomenal. <laughs> But it's one of those right. things, like, even when he dies in Black Panther, like, Wallace hurt more. 
because he was just a kid right. trying to take care of everything. Well, and even Omar, when I when I saw Michael K. Williams and anything else, all I wanted was, you know, him to start whistling the cheese stands alone and you know blow people away. Like yeah, I get probably the closest. And I didn't follow the guy, but like his character in like Boardwalk Empire was probably pretty close. I think it was the only other the only other real like gangster role that he played. And uh, it's just something that you 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 grow to love because that's the fantasy portion of it, yeah. you know. But then that's what what made that show so great was that it 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 brought reality and, and empathy to you at the same time. And I think that's why it hits different than, you know, even even Breaking Bad because it, there's the Breaking Bad to me was was close and it was good, but the the suspension of disbelief had to be so much higher. Because that's, I think that's the other thing for like white people that watch The Wire, like they don't know anything about that shit, you know. Not unless they grew up in it or around it enough. I mean, it's it, it it's a right. really good culture show. I say the same about Luke Cage. You want to talk? You want to learn Harlem? Watch the show Luke Cage. Yeah, it's a comic show, but damn, damn, is it good? Yeah, I missed that one. I don't do Marvel, so I know <laughs> you can't be yeah. perfect. I'm I'm too I'm too invested in other ridiculous bullshit. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm invested in all the ridiculous bullshit. But again, let's let's make a gigantic loop and bow on this one. Like that's again what what's cool about podcasts and like whenever I hear people talking about starting one or doing one or like you know it comes up somehow. It's like you know even if it's just for fun or just like a tester, like do it for a little while. Because it will, if you get the right people and you get, you know, some decent conversation going, like it'll kind of remind you about the stuff that you don't, you probably don't get as much anymore, you know, unless you have like a, like a halfway intelligent group of friends that you spend a lot of like personal time with, like everything else is just, you know, routine and and going through the motions of, you know, making a living or taking care of your family or trying to take care of yourself or whatever, you know, can't. I'm I'm the last one that needs more conversation with myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, but okay. So you just talked you talked a minute ago about like like investing in a character. Like when you talk about a character dying off or things like like, did you watch the the Fresh Prince reunion? Reunion? The, it was on. I think it was Netflix. The, they did like the reunion special, and they all got together and like they met up. You know, thirty years later or whatever. No, I didn't, but I, we'll, we'll have to talk about, if you haven't seen it, you got to watch Bel Air, because that, that's a good one. They, no, they, I, they I watched a little bit. I, I actually want to. I just, yeah, well. Very, very good. <laughs> I, my whole ability to watch series and things is very limited just because of my time, but um, you're not the only person who's told me that, that I really need to watch that. The, the thing that got me is when, when the, it's palpable, the pain they feel that, you know, Uncle Phil isn't around anymore you feel that in the, in their reunion and how much he affected them, not just as, as an actor and as a, but as a father figure. And that's really intense. I think the whole planet feels certain things like that, but then there's real people that pass away like the queen of England, or um, I'm trying to think of some of the other things that have gone on where they kind of just brush it off, but it affects some people that they don't expect it. They're like, why is this affecting me? Because maybe they weren't so invested. Maybe they weren't looking at it. And, and I can't tell if that's a, a newer thing. Because celebrity death, when Paul Walker died, the world lost its mind. When Heath Ledger died, the world lost it. Michael Jackson, good God. I mean, 
these are celebrities on a level that we can barely comprehend. So you expect something. I don't know a lot of Americans that thought they would be affected by the Queen of England passing away, but they're finding that they are more residually because of people that they know than themselves directly impacted. And I I feel like in some ways that's a post-COVID thing. That's a more because we're so Zoomed, because we're so Facebooked, is that what it is? Well, and I think part of that too is, I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase like make the dash count. Um, I think when, I mean, you, you mentioned people that are, they're so like literally everyone on the planet knows who they are. Any, anyone that has, you know, any kind of access to a, a newspaper or a TV or whatever, like somehow it, it's in their consciousness, you know, yeah. uh, Michael Jackson, even like Kobe Bryant to a certain level. Um, who was I just thinking of? There, there was another one I just thought of that I forgot. But I think the, the idea of not, not only, I think probably top tier would be like mortality, you know, like someone that you know and you've known your entire existence is just, you know, it's over for them, you know? So it's one thing to like, think of like, you know, oh man, it, it really does happen to everyone type of thing. And that's how it is for me anyway. But I also think with people of that, top tier like that unattainable echelon like oh the other one i was thinking of was elvis i just watched the new elvis movie and uh i think it it might be deep it might be surface for whoever but i think it also makes you think like you know about legacy or about you know like what what people will remember about you you know not just you know what happened with with the queen or with elvis or whatever but like I, I think internal internalizing, you know, what am, what am I doing with my existence that like, will anybody remember, you know, and this is something that like, this is a more, a more recent, maybe I'm off base here, but for me, it's like a way more recent thought because I don't think I've ever thought that way before. I've never paid attention to, you know, anyone remembering me or, or even, cared really if anyone did but it some, sometimes things like this I think it kind of it kind of turns the camera toward you about like well you know what are you doing with yourself you know what what legacy could you possibly leave you know and I think for me anyway I, I don't have like a a real strong push to to be remembered necessarily by anybody but family or whatever but I think that kind of pops up a little bit, you know? What do you think? Am I wrong? Well, I know. I mean, I think there's a lot of merit to that. I, I think it's not just a sense of mortality. Um, unpopular topic, but, but, you know, the mass shootings. We have a school shooting and the whole fucking country goes nuts and oh we need gun control we need to we, we need to keep our guns and everybody's on these polar opposite ends and it's just really just electrified and really a hot topic but after a couple of weeks it just goes away and so i think everybody looks and goes what would i do in that situation how would i react and they don't know and that's any crisis but people don't realize that it's what we like we we celebrate celebrity in this country on a level that is disgusting. Correct. Be it 
actors, musicians, athletes, whatever, I, I, I find it gross. I really do. It really bothers me how I don't give a shit what's going on between Kanye and Kim. I don't fucking care. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I just don't give a shit. I don't care about keeping up with the Kardashians or Jersey Shore or that stuff. I mean, yes, there is some reality television that I do more documentary style. Um, where it's like tracking them and watching them and seeing what they're doing. I'll pay attention to those things. And there's some things with musicians and stuff that I get really focused on, but I don't, and yes, I understand. I'm in a unique position in that I know some of these people. So I get that. But even the people I don't know, like for me, the celebrity side of something doesn't matter nearly as much as the substance side of a person. People talk about Chris Farley and they talk about how funny he was. and He was so great. And he was this and he had drug problems. You know what I think about when I think about Chris Farley? The fact that he used to anonymously go to soup kitchens and shit like that and give his time and actually spend time in his community. That's the stuff that matters to me. The fact that I don't give a shit what people are doing randomly to make themselves famous. I give a shit what people are doing anonymously to be better people. And television and internet and celebrity has just completely gutted that on a level that I can, I I get really angry about it. And so when I look at people just dismissing things like this, sure, right now people may have a sense of mortality and, oh, what am I doing? And I need to better. But it's the same thing. It's like I tell everybody every year, like the stupidest thing you can fucking do on January 1st is make some kind of a resolution because I give you 30 days before you've forgotten about it. Don't make a resolution. Change your fucking life. You don't need a reason. You don't need a holiday. Fucking do it. Right. But that, that, that's the anti-American part, you know, like we can do whatever we want. Why would I want to do better? You know, yeah, that's, I think that's where, I don't know. It's, it's a weird, I, I, I thought uh, like the idea, like, have you ever thought of like, if you were to die, like, if you could somehow like float above and see your like for real, like I don't know what happens, you know. Obviously, but like you were actually like let's let's pretend you were still alive somehow, but there was a funeral for you with a body in a church or wherever you want to do it. Like to the to be able to see like who shows up or how how sad people are or like if anyone shows up, you know. Um, I think that's a that's a thought that I've had ever since I was a little kid, unfortunately, but. Um, that was another one of my little bizarre, not bizarre, but like, you know, there, there was a funeral recently, like I was just mentioning a while ago. And I remember, you know, family members and some friends and stuff, they were a little bit surprised by the turnout, you know? And it's like, yeah, this is, this is what I mean, you know, like to be pleasantly surprised about, you know, whatever you left behind, like the, the mark you left on people's heart, you know? Um, I know not everybody that came, came because of that reason they did it for, for show or for, you know, whatever, whatever other reason, but there were definitely people there that were there because almost strictly because there was some more indelible aspect to that person that they wanted to pay respect to, you know, I think that's, I don't know. An interesting thought, you know, like those people. Um, I get really, really 
I get frustrated when people show up to funerals and act like they were the best friend of the person who passed. Right. Um, I get really upset when actually I'm dealing with a situation now. One of my best friends is dating a girl. The girl likes to tell me how this guy is, how he is. And this is, this is, this, and, and, and I don't know how to be nice about it and be like, you met him six weeks ago. I've known him for a decade. Right. I've been on the road with this guy. I've spent time with this guy. We have innumerable stories. And yet you're telling me how he is after six weeks. And it's for me, it's not like a jealousy thing. It's not like, it's literally like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> to tell me a person that I have a longstanding close relationship with is without doing the whole, I told you so moments also when they're wrong and they, and something happens like, Oh, he's going to love this. It's going to be great. And then something happens and he's upset. And I'm like, I fucking told you so. And I don't like being the, I told you so guy, <laughs> but it's well, a little it's, bit gratifying. It's a, it's a, it's a quality that you and I both possess to a point. I think yours might be a little bit more honed in than mine, but lately, I don't know in that, uh, you know, the people you spend time with or, you know, even people brand new that you meet, like we have a, a, a sense to people, right. you know, there's, 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 well, we talked about this in a particular context. I'm not going to go there, but you know, the fact that like, here's how I describe myself. I have, I have like a tiny, like, let's, let's call it a four inch little penis curb of sand. Correct. Sand penis. <laughs> Sandy granular four inch penis. Yes. Um, <laughs> small little curb made out of nothing around me at all times, you know. Mm -hmm. And when you meet somebody or like, you know, you know your friend forever, like you you know the proclivity, the uh how do you say, like, you know, what instinctually how they're gonna act in a certain situation. Like when your friends, it's like you guys, you, you can kind of know that and like you you can be shocked or surprised in certain aspects but I think there's like there's there's a sense especially if they're new like whether this person is is worth a damn or not you yeah. know and we also have you know if they're going to come any closer there's like a really broad and vague but has to be met criteria in order to like continue anything you know Talk to me like a person, make eye contact, like show any kind of life in there. Yeah. You know? And if they don't, then, you know, the smoke goes off and, you know, then, you know, you know, that's how it is for me anyway. Um, just the, the idea of being able to, to have that, I don't know if it's a protection or, or what, but like when, when you meet somebody like what, what's your little list? Like, what do they have to do? Like, not everybody just gets a, a, a free pass to be right. around you, correct? Not even, well, God, this is gonna, this is gonna sound so pretentious. Um, I don't even pay attention to people's names most of the time when they introduce themselves or when I meet somebody. You're like, I meet so many people and have, have and I'm just in contact with so many people that it's not that I want to downplay a person's existence or anything, but until you've done something that makes me take note, you're kind of a cardboard cutout extra. Like, you know, when they're filming like the big scenes in movies and they need a giant crowd and like, there's like 30 people and then like 600 mannequins. 
Right. That's actually how my everyday feels. Or just sports in COVID era. Right. There you go. <laughs> it's like, let's put a bunch of fucking screens up or things. For me, and I've been living this way for a long time, actually, um, without realizing it and then kind of have started really like, okay, this makes sense. I don't have anybody in my life that I need. I have people in my life that I want. Correct. And I've learned a lot, especially being hurt and homeless, you know, where it's like, I'm literally injured, can't really take care of myself, but I'm living in a fucking van in the middle of summer in the desert. Cause you know, I'm so smart, you know, <laughs> those moments of, do I need anybody? Did most people even know I was going through that? No. The people that did, it's because I chose to allow them to see that part of me. When I meet somebody, for one, there's that, call it the supernatural sense or whatever. I mean, you've called me a vampire. Other people say that I'm a monster. And I just, I can just read people and, and kind of fuck with them a little bit. It's an unfair advantage. It's like my whole well, see, that, that's like a poker face. Yeah, that's where you and I differ. Because I think, I think when I have that, that little tool working... It's it's in the hope that like ooh a friend, you know, yeah. or like I don't think you have that at all. No. I think if, if if there's a if there's ever like a ooh a friend moment, it's like way down the line, something yeah. bigger, something. Well, I, you know, I learned many many years I, ago. You know? I learned many years ago that I can make myself appear very open, and I can give. It's like it's like it's I'm a I'm a I'm a. You it's know, like the books when you open a book and you read just the jacket and it gives you kind of a synopsis. I'm great at the synopsis. You get an idea of what I'm about, but you got to get to chapter like 38, 39 before you actually understand any part of me. And most people by chapter three or four, are like, uh, uh-uh, I can't do this. That's too much. Well, you're, you're the guy that is like, you're, you're the definition of don't judge a book by its cover. Correct. I'm the definition of, I'm the definition of the way I work anyway is, well, no, that's why the books have covers. Do, do pay attention to that shit too. You know, don't, yeah, I think it gets lost in translation a little bit, you know, like that, that's why books have covers, stupid, you know, like, yeah, watch that too, you know? Yeah, it's a, no, absolutely. It's a and, 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 and I would agree with you that is that most people when they meet me, they assume I'm aggressive and mean and stupid and, and, and all those things. And then they no one thinks you're stupid. What do you mean? I, dude, I get that a lot. Especially, I love it. My favorites attorneys, attorneys and, and like city council members and things like that. People that are in official offices who like to assume that I'm an idiot. That's like my favorite shit ever. Because then when I start talking to them, they're like, oh, I'm in trouble. Like I got an argument with a real estate agent who was trying to quote to me banking law. And when I turned around and gave her the code and, and cited everything, and she, she's like, there's no way that's correct. She pulled it up on her phone. She threw her phone at me and left. <laughs> I was like, well, that's their fault. That that's, that's, they, they think they're, you know, I, I, I will always answer a question honestly. 90% of the time, the answer is, I don't know. Correct. But the next time you ask me, I'm probably going to know because it's going to bug the shit out of me that I don't know the fucking answer to that question. And that's how I live my life. And because I don't sleep, because I have such varied interests, because I'm doing, I'm wearing so many different hats every day and have so many different irons in the fire that if I didn't have that, I wouldn't know how to pass the time. I wouldn't. 
And it's those inner monologues that you're like, I need less time to, to be inside my own head. For me, I stay busy so I don't talk to myself. Right. And I do spend a lot of my time alone. So it's this weird kind of mix of shit. I don't know. We have a guest. We have, we have a guest. Oh, yeah. The dog's <laughs> around. She's driving me Well, nuts, yeah. Actually. And I, I wish I had a, a little bit more honed ability to to kind of like, even if it was a, you know, an incorrect prejudgment to, you know, kind of play with, with the idea ahead of time, like you do. My, mine is, mine is truly like, you know, like, Hey, you know, group hug, you know, like I'm, I'm down to like know people and, you know, maybe make a friend or whatever, but like, it's, it's, it's that, that intuition or whatever you want to call it that, can be detrimental for sure. You know, like yours sounds more fun than my version of it. Cause when I get, when I get shown exactly why somebody sucks, it's, it's like a, I, I take it personally. It's kind of, yeah. kind of weird, you know, like. <clears throat> See, and I just, I'm so used to people sucking and, and being in and out and things for me, it's a level of how much I will allow myself to take. A lot of, a lot of my closest friends say, let's say I let myself get a taking advantage of that. I will let myself get abused and, and used and, oh, they're just your friend because of the travel or because of the fame or because of the music or because of the money or because of the jobs or because of whatever you provide this doorway for them. Well, yeah, I do. That's my choice. I'm not oblivious to it. I don't, I don't ignore that. I have one friend and, and. I love her to death. And about once a year, she just loses her fucking mind on me and won't talk to me and just wants nothing to do with me. And then comes back a few months later, like, I don't even know what happened. I'm really sorry. And people are like, how do you put up with that? Because when she's around, she's one of my staunchest supporters and makes me feel like there's a purpose to this planet. She's so positive and so hopeful that it makes me feel like, and it's not naivety. It's just that she really, truly believes that the world can be better. And I need that. Well, and I think, you know, I like, I'm, I'm guessing and speculating here, but I, I do know some relatively, I mean, full on positive people. And I wonder if she, she kind of throws that little wrench in your guys' relationship because at, at the same time, she feels the, the stability and the, and the, you know, the compassion for you and all that kind of stuff at the same time that she feels like she's waiting for something to drop because when, when you're, when you're that open and positive and you do bring people into your circle, you get let down way more often. When you're, when, when you're looking at everybody through side eye, you get let down, but it's not quite as often because your, your little protections, you know, it just doesn't happen as often. Like I, I hate to say it, but when I, sometimes when I meet new people, like it takes 10 seconds and I'm like, fuck that guy, you know, yeah. or, or this bitch is, you know, she's, she's all about herself, fully entitled, fuck that. You know, maybe she has had her teeth kicked in a handful of times and your, your steadfastness in her head maybe is, is setting her up for like a harder fall somehow. I, well, that, like, it's that, almost that like a situation test, in, in you know? one of my relationships. Um, that was actually a big deal. Like uh, one of my exes used to 
be so convinced that things were going to fall apart, she would kind of make up shit to fight over right. to try and force the issue. And it sucks because like, we're still great friends and we still have this great relationship as far as that's concerned. But there's a lot of time where I'm like, God, if you would just, just shut up for a day or two and, <laughs> and stopped trying to force things to be bad, stop expecting and manifesting the negative. I, and I'm, I don't want those people like, I always figure shit out. I do good, bad, or indifferent. I figure shit out. And I may be having a damn near heart attack all the time, but I don't want people to know that. I don't want people to, to have to worry about that. My, my lot, my choice in life is to be the person who continues forward and continues to put in work. Even if it seems fruitless, I'm still going to do that. Right. And I think that that's, there's value to that. Um, I learned that from my dad. I, my, a lot of people say that I'm a workaholic and for me, yeah, I work a lot. I do. And I feel the need to work a lot for stability for a million reasons, but my work is my hobbies. It's that's my, my way of staying moving forward. And that is all. Yeah. It's, it's, it's my way of, of that's my legacy. It's my way of determining for myself. So when I have people who have that expectation of, well, this is going to suck or this is going to fail, like my favorite thing in the world, like people are always like, God, sometimes it's like your magic. No, I, I, I math, words, basically human <laughs> interaction. It's not magic. No, if you decide it's to do something, kill yourself trying. Period. Or it's not worth trying. Well, yeah. I mean, whatever the thing is, and I, I mean, I, I find myself just, I'm, I'm perfect at dispensing advice to everybody else except myself, you know? Of course. And, uh, but it's one of those things where like, there, there's very few aspects of life, maybe only one, you know, that you can't beat, you know? It might always be a fight, you know, and you never really feel any rest from it. But like, if, if you want something, you can do it, Yeah. you know? But you it's also- You can't control time. You can't control the weather and you can't control the people. Yeah. I mean, there's, well, some, of course, there's levels of try. that. Well, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, and there's always, you know, latex and weather. I, I guess yeah. my thing is, okay, so you talk about, like, when you meet yes. somebody, it's like, oh, hey, new friend. Oh, hey, new new opportunity. I want to learn something. I want to take something. For me, I, I do or even even as, even as small, sorry to interrupt, but as small as, like, I'm going to be in front of this person for 10 minutes. Like, hopefully this doesn't go terribly. Yeah. Just... I'm more it, is, likely, it is a positive outlook. I'm more likely to react negatively and not say a word and just keep quiet, but I'll go pet a shark or a bear. New friend. For me, that makes sense. <laughs> For me, like, oh, cool. Here's this dumb, stupid thing that could get me hurt. I'll try that. Instead of remembering somebody's name or something like that. Now, the other side of it, because of the way my memory works, if somebody does do something, even if it's years later, they'll be like, do you remember me? I'm like, Yes, I do. I remember this, and this is where I met you. What's my name? I can't remember your name, but I do remember meeting you. And I do remember this. And they're like, they're surprised by that. If you do something impactful, some people I've met, like literally, I meet them doing something amazing. And I will forever have an impression of them based on that moment, even if I learn later they're a piece of shit. Or if I have a piece of shit moment and that's how I meet somebody, they can try and redeem themselves later and it doesn't always work. Right. So that kind of goes both ways too. And again, it goes back to, to the impression and the legacy you leave. 
Right. Well, it's like, you know, you do, I hate to say it, and I hate, I hate talking about like law of attraction, synchronicities and all that kind of stuff, but like whatever you're putting out there, you will get back, you know? And I think that's what keeps people like you and I semi in check when, when things are going wrong, you know, yeah. um, the, the ability to, you know, self-correct and, and, and well, maybe not even correct, but at least be able to look at yourself and be like, you know, if you're having a rough time, you know, how am I contributing to that? You know, sometimes it's, it's super easy. You're like, well, I'm, I've been a fucking cunt for the last hour. Like even, even today, the last, the last week we've been trying to get, or you've been trying to get me to do this show. And I've just been like, I just, I got nothing, you know, you're, you're, you're a content creator. You're, you're doing something. You're jazzed about it right now. And I'm, I don't want to like be a speed bump that, you know, doesn't, doesn't land with with your people. You know, that's part of why I was like, I just don't want to talk right now, you know, yeah. but that's not, it's not even true that even when I said that to you, I was like, that was, that was absolutely true. Like three months ago, you know, I'm, I, eh, I would have done it probably, but I, I truly would have been like, I'll sit with you for an hour, but it's going to be terrible and it's going to be negative. And, you know, um, but even, even, that, even having that, that ability to, to look at yourself when, when you say, hey, what do you want to do this today? And I'm like, like, but I really do. I just want to, I want to be good. You know, like that, that was. Yeah. The, well, and, and that's, I mean, you shouldn't ever want to do something that you know you're going to fail at, obviously. But the other side of it is that like, like, <clears throat> I, I, you and I've talked you can't about talk yourself into failing, you know, right? Like, you know well, we've mean? talked about the glass ceiling thing, and 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 the the fact that so many people hit that glass ceiling and they just assume life is over. And there's different levels of success. One of the biggest things that I struggle, especially with my friends who are struggling with sobriety, they never take a moment to see how far they've come. If you're climbing that ladder and you're just trying and trying and trying, and you have that one goal in mind and you're just trying to get there stop, take a breath and look around and see how far you've come. Yeah. And fucking clap yourself. And people yourself. don't do that. They don't, fucking, they don't fucking do that. And it drives me nuts. Like I watch people and I guess, it's, I mean, I say the sobriety thing, but even people who struggle with, with their mental health, like the fact that they're finally able to talk about certain things or certain deal with certain traumas. When you finally hit that point, like accept it as a positive thing. That is a goal, whether you set it as a goal or not, that's actually a goal. It's like when you're playing a video game and you pass a checkpoint, you didn't mean to get to the checkpoint. You're trying to get to the goal, but if you don't get to the checkpoint, you got to start all over. Correct. Yeah. It's like, why that's so hard for people to understand. Go, go back or look back and, you know, count how many days, you know, like they talk about, you know, like sobriety, sobriety works best when you get all those sober days in a row. Right. You know? <laughs> Stack them up. Back, you know, like I, I can't. I'm actually a good example of what not to do. You know, I, I haven't. I've been constantly working on no, no casual drinking since about March, right? But I took a couple of opportunities, you know, vacation type of things. I with you one mm-hmm. one of the times, and uh, I was like, you know what, <laughs> I, I never on purpose. I've, I've never ever said i need a drink you know like like in the context of like wow today was hard you know i i i need a uh, a break you know my version of i need a drink is like uh 
it's almost five and I'm getting a little ticky here. You know, I need, I need a drink, <laughs> Yeah. but you know, it doesn't, I mean, that may not mean like, so there's probably three days in the last six months or however long it is that I've drank, you know, for most people, they'd be like, that's, you know, if they're trying to stay sober, that's a failure. But for me, I'm actually just kind of still stoked on myself because I at least was able to bring myself an, an improvement in, you know, the contextual moderation of when I did, you know, like I'm, I'm in a spot. Uh, it's been super rough. I need a drink. I had the drinks and then I stopped, you know? So, I mean, it's, it, it is even, like I said, there's, there's people that might hear this and that think like, well, you don't, you're not, you're not sober. You're not doing anything, you know? Fair enough. I, I agree with you to a point, but I'm still proud of myself. I still look at that that time that I've tried to be better and I see it as a win, you know? Well, let's let's take you out of context. So let's make it not you. Let's make you a 20-year-old, 28-year-old single mom. Again. Yeah, who hasn't been a who hasn't had a drink in six years because you've done nothing but raise kids. And you go to Vegas right. for the weekend. Is it bad that for three days you're just so tore up you don't remember the whole trip? Does anybody look badly on you? If it doesn't affect somebody in a negative way, if it if you took a vacation and went and had drinks, when in your day to day you don't, what is the issue there? As long as there's not a negative backlash. Obviously, if you go and you get drunk and you rob a jewelry store, there's a problem <laughs> there. But I mean, if you, and that that's been my biggest thing. With, with well, that. that's the that's the gamble of it, you know. It's just, yeah. you know, can can I still dip in? And I think, I think what I do eventually want is, you know, just no no tie to that that former self at some point, you know. And I and I get um, that, and I understand that. But I mean, it's the same thing as like, you know, my ex. We talk about her alcoholism a lot, and she can't have a drink because a drink turns into thirty days of binging. One single sip of alcohol, a sip of champagne at a wedding, and for 30 days, she's drunk. And then she has to start the drying out process all over, and it's hard. It's hard for anybody who does that. There are different levels of alcoholism. There are different levels of dependency. There are different levels of what a person considers sober. I I have a friend. She says she's California sober because she smokes weed but doesn't do anything else. But she smokes more weed than anybody I know. (laughs) like she can't go to the grocery store or the gas station without getting high she can't have a phone conversation without rolling a joint like she smokes more weed than anybody i know and it's like they say weed's not dependent but that's her way of doing it people who chain smoke i have to smoke because i'm working that's dependency right oh i don't smoke anymore but i vape now it's better because i it's water it's it's all still the same thing it's a level it's still, of it's still dependency yeah it's dependency yeah. it's it's addiction it's whatever you have to find that level within yourself of what's acceptable and i think that more now i mean they always say you can't get sober until you you hit rock bottom and you choose for yourself you can't have sobriety for somebody else and right. i you know for me what you know last summer when the doc said look we're changing your meds we're doing this you can't drink anymore okay anyway Really? That easy? I was like, yeah, that easy. I've been sober super, several times in my life. And it's easy for me to be sober. 
Right. That doesn't mean that I don't go through every day looking at a bottle of whiskey going, God, I just want to drink the whole thing. Or every time I'm out, I want to have a beer or I do. I want those things. I'm lucky in that I have a tolerance that allows me to do whatever I do without getting wasted or doing something stupid. I don't need that to survive. I don't need it every day, but I think about it every day. But that, yeah, that looking at the bottle is, is the comfort. You know, you're, you're looking at it and going like, you know, I'm feeling away, but if half of that goes in my face, then I won't feel that way till tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. You know? It's, it's, so it's, 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 emotional it's devaluing. It, yeah. And it's also like, you know, trying to find a way to devalue your comfort zone. Cause guess what? Nine times out of 10, nine people listening to this out of 10, your comfort zone is, is horseshit. It is. It's of no value to you or your family or anything. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's your bubble and we get it, you know? But at the same time, all right, we get it enough yeah. already. Yeah. Know? I think that's where, that's where I've gotten personally. And like you and I have both, you know, well, maybe not you. I don't, I don't know enough about you and your stuff, but I think we've had plenty for a lifetime, correct? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I've had it and, up for seven lifetimes. I've literally added it up about every seven years. I live an entire lifetime and I do all the dumb shit that's supposed to be in a lifetime in about seven years. Right. And I'm, you well, know, I'm and, got and that happens. It happens more quickly when you're when you're lubricated like that, you know. Yeah. Dumb shit comes in waves. <laughs> well, but at the same time, I'm that same person who, you know, like I was telling you about that Las Vegas trip. It was completely sober for me. It was a sober trip. I did just as much stupid shit as I ever do. For me, I just like the adrenaline rush and the dumb shit. I'm that guy. I don't need to be drunk or inebriated to go do something fucking stupid. I also don't need to have that liquid courage to go talk to a beautiful woman or take a chance or get in an argument with somebody or step in the middle of a fight. I don't need that. That's just who I, that's how I'm wired. Right. I need it more to separate myself from those things. Right. And to enact those things and enable those things. Right. It's a social thing for me. And, and for me, I am, I mean, people talk about, oh, I'm antisocial. I really am antisocial. I'm completely comfortable being completely disconnected from the rest of the planet for extended periods of time. As long as I have connection and knowledge of what's really going on. As long as I feel like I still have some cognizance and awareness of what's going on, I don't need to be around people. Right. Well, and I think, you know, especially if you're, for me anyway, I think there's, there's portions where like I'm, I'm hanging on to that cognition by a thread, you know, and it probably isn't a great idea that anybody's around, you know, yeah. like my, my, my poor coworker, I'm, I'm sitting in my shop now. And uh, you know, him and I, we, we have a lot in common, you know, as far as like upbringing and that kind of stuff. And poor guy, he's, he's heard any any bit of bullshit that you know about, he's heard about, but like at work, you know, he's fucking trying to do something, you know. He never, he never says like, ah, I don't want to hear it today. Like he's he's always down to listen to that. I have to eventually stop talking. And I'm like, ah, I'm sorry, I gotta stop, you know. But I think for me that that hanging on to the, the reality even by a little bit sometimes is what dictates you know like who's around me or not like is it time for a long time you know um and that's that that that's the struggle with sobriety with me because it's like okay i don't want anybody around i could go do this this is the comfort zone thing that i know 
but you know, I'm trying not to do that. So I'm trying to just have that construct where like propping yourself up like, like a, like an adult, you know, um, that can be hard too, you know? And I don't think I have the, the same level of skill that, that some people do. Like, I mean, I, I look at you like master, you know, not of me, but <laughs> I, I do admire like, as much as you struggle and, and things are not always awesome, like you, you never stop, you know? And I think you're, you're one of the people that kind of keep me from, you know, ever doing anything super drastic or, you know, really going down the rabbit hole again, you know, cause I don't, at, at this point, it's almost like competition. Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be looked down upon by you. You know, it's important well, you, to me. You to described our, our friendship and, and it was funny because, you know, a couple of my friends met you for the first time here when you were up here a few weeks back and Sorry, they heard me talk about you. They've heard, and they were like, I mean, and I remember the day, uh, one of my friends, he, he literally was like, you guys are friends. Like you're, you're like tight. <laughs> like, yeah, he goes, you are so fucking mean to each other. <laughs> like you just good guy. He's like, I was like, I thought you were going to fight several times because you're just just ripping on each other and you're not laughing you're not oh ha ha it was like you were literally trying to belittle each other in a way that was and it would get to a point because it was almost like watching a tennis match and years ago you described our conversations as like a really good game of chess because you're trying to get moves ahead to figure out where the conversation's going to go and where we're going to take it and whether we can meet up and, and battle it out or whether one of us takes the lead or whatever. And I think that, I think that's a very rare thing for people to have like these, these verbal or intellectual sparring matches that aren't confrontational. I didn't, I didn't really, this is how ridiculous I am. Like, you know, I think we learned survival and, and, or at least the instinct of survival. I was never in, like real danger or anything like that but you learn that when you're young you know and my family in particular they're they're big-hearted people you know but they are you know for 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 a layman's explanation like it's it's the george lopez show you know taking shots at, at your son taking shots at your mom like no, everybody's fair game but you're only fair game because your family and we love you you know yeah and uh what I didn't realize about a lot of people, especially more recently and like younger than me, like what you and I do, like the way we talk to each other, like when, when we're, when we're doing that shit to each other, uh, it really freaks them out and it actually kicks their survival instinct in because they, they think that people are arguing or they're, you know, something's yeah. about to go down, like a friend said, you know, and, you know, we, we call it breaking balls or, you know, whatever. And there's people that just don't understand that concept, you know, and that to me, that's wild. And it's also like a little, it's good. And it's also to me a little sad because it's like, well, you know, if, if, if your friend or, you know, your, your brother or somebody does something stupid, like why, why can't you humiliate them a little bit before you pick them up off the ground or whatever? Yeah. Like that's how, well, that's how, how many, we. And, and the concept <laughs> of getting in a fight with somebody now and then picking them up and taking them to her for a beer or becoming friends with your bully, like that. Like I didn't, I never, I didn't get bullied by the bullies in school. I got bullied by my friends. <laughs> I didn't need that. I mean, my friends were defending me from the bullies, but they were still bullying me. 
that was normal. <laughs> right. Like, 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 I mean, if, if the bully came up and said, oh, you fat little four-eyed fuck and blah, 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 you know, <laughs> one of those guys would write, don't you fucking, you leave my fat friend alone. Yeah. He's our tub of lard, but he's our tub of lard. You leave him the fuck alone. (laughs) That was how it was. And to me, that was like, that was normal. I didn't, it didn't register. And and some of this comes, like, it it comes out later in in conversations with my dad, or especially conversations with my son. Like, what I viewed as, like, this is just how you're raised, or this is just how it is. Like, a lot of people today that are aged 20 to 28 would view my entire childhood as trauma. Correct. Even the really positive shit, they're like, seriously? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, I I don't regret that. I will never be that person who looks back at high school like, best four years of my life. Fuck that. People yeah. like that, I can't, I can't level with. I can't, if that's your, if that's, if that's your peak, that's your height, what do you do with the next 60, 70 years? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? However, well, you can you can have your your pack, but you're your lone wolf, you know. Yeah. Some people aren't like that, you know. They they have to have their pack or else they got nothing. You know. Well, and some of them, some people they're shocked that there's there are some people from high school that I still talk to almost daily. And they're like, really? Like that's so strange to me. Like, I don't talk to anybody from high school. And then there's others that like my dad had I mean, God, he's been graduated 53, 54 years. And he talks to a lot of people he went to high school with pretty regularly, every couple of days. It's very different in how you relate to different people and where you're from, that small town mentality versus big city mentality, the the, the idea of a, of a more metropolitan nature versus segregating yourself off. I think that I tend to gravitate towards and accept more people who are willing to look beyond the local boundary. Like, and I say this all the time. If you look on, on my Facebook, you look on, on any of my, most of the people I'm, I'm connected with the social media wise, they're not locals. They're not people here in Grand Junction. They're people right. around the rest of the planet. That's why I have that is so I can talk to the people I can't go hang out with. Right. You know, but does that mean we don't still have quote unquote art nights and family dinners? I had one last week and I invited a bunch of my friends over and 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 had shepherd's pie and we all hung out and and had a moment together and then went out and had a drink or two together. Like that's normal to me. So the idea of not having somebody to be adversarial with and know that it's still a connection. I mean, we've been talking fairly regularly for a decade. Right. Well, what, what you said about, you know, the bullies and you just said the word adversarial, like that's that's what's lost on on <laughs> the new people is, you know, those things are are now branded bad. Yeah. You know, like there, there's no good version of, you know, somebody taking the piss out of you with, you know, a joke or whatever. If if they're if they're coming at you being hurtful and stuff like that like that there there's no excuse for any of that everybody like, talks about competition competition breeds excellent competition is healthy and yet everybody gets the participation award right there's well, no competition there if you just show up you win that that to me i don't i don't grasp that do, do you, I mean, and, and people talk about you know because like i mean yeah i used to fight and i used to i mean yeah i've lost way more fights than i've ever won <laughs> right i've lost way more arguments than i've ever won period but 
if you and I are ribbing each other and giving each other shit and 10 people around us are laughing, I feel like we're both winning. Right. Yeah, we're competing with each and other to see who can get the other to go, fuck, I give, but. And it makes me happy to see like, like younger people that have something like, like we do, you know, yeah. um, I, I wish I would have saved this. I found a, there was a Twitter thread that I was like, I should, I should send this to Eric and we should do a podcast about these. It was these 10 things that were like, Hey, every, everybody on the planet, especially in America has missed that these, these 10 uh, points are now a reality that are different than probably the majority of, of you were raised to believe. And one of them was, was talking about, um, this is getting a little, this is a little bit broader, so I apologize for this, but um, one was just talking about how like, you know, how, how is America so divided? Obviously they're kind of talking politically and stuff, but it's, it's basically like how you and I, and I think, you know, I, hopefully most people were raised with like a set of values or like just some like, even, even if they're like dotted line principles of, you know, right and wrong, good and evil. A moral um, compass. Correct. Guidelines. Yeah. But it was all, it was all like kind of, like I said, in America, especially kind of like a broad stroke that we all got a little pain on us, you know? So like, you know, even something as silly as, you know, re pro wrestling back in the day when Hulk Hogan was the man and, and, you know, Nikita Koloff or the Iron Sheik, you know, like the, it was, it was playing into the, the political upbringing the we all had yeah. that, you know, USA, USA, and, the, and they're the bad guys, right? Well, I think like a lot of what we're dealing with, like, especially like politically conflict wise, or even personal conflict is that we don't agree on any of those initial broad strokes anymore. You know, everybody's so granular in how they, how they think. And like, we're also, we've also separated ourselves into these little like cliques of people. And if you spend any kind of time scraping away at somebody new, like you might, you might be at a concert and meet somebody you're like, you know, talking and all this kind of stuff. And then you might spend a little more time with that person. And after not too long, you realize that, you know, you, all you had was that band that you were watching. Yeah. That all you, that, that was all you had in common. Then you start talking about politics or you start talking about, you know, God forbid religion or, you know, uh, let's say like gender equality or like sexuality in general. Like pretty quickly, we we've like we found ways to like break ourselves up into like such small chunks that like nothing can be talked about anymore without like a fight, you know. And there there was a few more more points on that, but it kind of made me it made me sad about the future of of people in general. But it made me happy for you know the the couple of friends that I have left, you know. Yeah. I don't know, like like to to try to bring someone new. And like truly bring them into you is going to be harder than ever, and it's going to get exhausting. worse. You know? it's, it's exhausting. Okay, well, and it's and it's often fruitless. That that's yeah, that was the is. point this guy was well, making. Was like, and, and and okay, so over the last as as technology and openness and awareness has grown, the gray areas have grown as well. I, I the think gray area is is more than anything. Exactly, it, it used to be. It's, Pretty it's black gray. And white with a gray in the middle. Right. And now and it's now, like now gray it's everywhere with little gray. 
lots of black and white. And here's the problem is that the black and white is now interpreted through the gray. It's like right. it's like trying to 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 look at at a at a landscape with cloud cover on it. Correct. You can't see it clearly because even though you know that's a fucking mountain, you can't see the edges of the mountain because there's too much gray in the middle. Yeah. And eventually, yeah. what happens? You fucking fly your damn plane into the mountain. <laughs> that's what happens, and that's in my mind. Like, I have a general. I don't want to say fear because I'm not actually scared of this. I, I, I you know me, I read statistics. Concern. Shit, but, but over 60% of people in the United States feel that we are headed for some kind of civil unrest or civil war. Right. And in my mind, those wars won't be fought in the cities. Those wars, those battles won't be in the big metropolitan areas. They'll be in the small towns where it's Bill Job, Bo, you know, Bob, Buck, Jim, they think one way and Ernest, Frank, Henry, and Tom think another way and they're going to go, okay, corral it. Right. And that's, that's a genuine thought process of mine because of that grit. I can't say that I know a single person in my life that is okay with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Not one. I don't think that there is a single person that I know that feels that that was a right decision. But I know people in my circle that because of the political affiliations they have feel like, well, that's just how it is. That's what my party thinks. That's what I got to do. So they're interpreting. And which I think that, that's the unfortunate part. That's that's what I was saying about, you know, the 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 microcosms that we've unknowingly or unwittingly, you know, broken ourselves into. And, and put her in. Yeah. Like, you know having a thought of your own doesn't jive anymore and and if you're and if the thought of your own conflicts with you know the people that you've decided to align yourself with then you you risk being ostracized in that you know and so i think you're right in in in, in the aspect of you know people toe the line when they don't believe it yeah you know and i think that i think that's unfortunate like i thought i thought and I, I'm, I'm the last person, I'm no patriot, I'm no, you know, I'm not Mr. USA, USA, you know, I think, I think US, uh, America is in a lot of trouble right now and not, I, I can't believe I just said that phrase because I feel like old white Republicans say that shit now because they lost, you know, America's in trouble, you know, America's in trouble for, not because, you know, Trump is not the president anymore, America's in trouble because I don't even think that people personally have values, like we said, you know, like it used to be us versus the world. Now it's, it's me versus the guy with the, the rainbow shirt on. Like, yeah, it, there's, there's so much infighting, right? so much personal unrest and so much individual unrest. And within this, is why I, this is why it made me laugh and why I, I, now I'm kicking myself that I brought it up without bringing you the truth. <laughs> but it, it kind of reminded me of your, your, psychotic tattoo mm -hmm. like now everybody's walking around with the i i am the wah 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 or whatever it is you know and it automatically disqualifies any kind of conversation or any kind of you know human connection you know to see if if there is anything in common with our fellow americans you know you walk into a place especially where i live you know probably not too far off eh, 
it seems a little bit more lenient where you live, but like, you know, when, when, when a dude is running around here with like a, a, a tie dye top and like a man purse, like there's, there's an idea of this person yeah. and it's a full on prejudge, like no information at all, just the book's cover, but it stops everything right there. Or, you know, some people are a little more enlightened. It doesn't stop everything. Some people are less enlightened. It stops everything positive and it's and like well how, 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 how an we, active negative role how are we going to fuck this guy up you know yeah. or whatever and i just think that i i never really thought of it that way but i i see a lot of it in my in my business of so just like my again my my little sandbar happens at work you know and i'm just hoping this goes well and the amount of times that it truly like on a on a on a heavier level doesn't go well is it's it's sad it's it hurts me you know it's just like well and it's it's a little concerning because like people live here in in this in this community yeah well i mean i and i deal with that all the time like i i have a really hard time um being in a conservative community when i am so publicly open and will and will actually like i i I won't back down from an argument if you make if you say something stupid or factually wrong i'm gonna argue with you and not to change your mind i don't ever expect to change somebody's mind i'm just hoping somebody else is listening who believed that moment of oh well this is how it is and then they hear the other side of it and they're like there's another side what yeah it's a it's a flare like don't don't listen to that guy yeah just make sure you hear all of it. Like there should be particularly strong. <laughs> there, there should be like I can't. It's why I can't stand media. I can't stand most, you know, social setups. It's so easy to incite anger, frustration, whatever in people's ideas and mindsets without any factual basis behind it, because you state something. And there's people that are in positions of power who state outright lies that are can be scientifically unproven that are, can be historically unproven and yet people will believe them for who they are. And that is deplorable. Correct. And, and I think that's the thing is it's not that we don't have a moral compass. It's that somebody went along and just moved the plate over. Like, this is my, this is my North believe my North, not your North, not society's North believe my North. And, and, and I know we've, we've Trump dumped a bunch and we've boberted and all these other things. Like there's people <laughs> that just go into this. Like I'm dealing with, you know, the, the Tina Peters case is a great example. This is a woman who admittedly is now caught, has been indicted, is facing all these criminal charges for trying to manipulate an election, get information out there, do all these things. And her defense is. I'm trying to make the world a better place. I can't make that make sense in my brain. No, and it's it's why I retweeted Entity's account the other day because you know, and Matt's got his shit together. Bottom line, Matt's got his shit together. Like I, I will forever respect that man. I always have, but he's got the thing that knows he sees through the bullshit. Right. And he's, and he's knowledgeable enough to, to, you know, come at you with like a real rebuttal, not just, you know, he's, my got, version he's got, he's got data. Yeah. My, my version of that is like, I, oh, you're such a fucking, you know, how did you even get, you know, but there's no, there's no bite to it, you know? Yeah. Um, 
and yeah, it's infuriating when, when there's people that, I mean, they, when, when somebody says not only something that is against like how you feel personally, but that is, is just a, just inaccurate information or, you know, a lie, it's fucking infuriating, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think what's, what's, what's really interesting and, and unfortunate is like people, it's, it, it's a, it's a mental illness because it's not that they get a kick out of lying. They don't know that what they're saying is, is it's a, a social illness. They believe it. It's a social you know? illness. People, people, and, and that is, God, I don't want to get into religion because you and I will talk for like six hours. Um, it is easier <laughs> to believe, <laughs> it is easier to believe in a concept of a higher power determining your everyday existence than that your political leader broke the law. Correct. Or one thing that's really freaking me out right now is, you know, the whole, the whole push of Christian nationalism or, you know, part of that speech that I think she was at a church over, you know, saying yeah. that, you know, there's not supposed to be a separation of church and state. The church is supposed to dictate what the government does. And I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah, hello, hello. Where, where's the chloroform guy? Where's, yeah. where's the guy on the tower? Like, this is, I mean. Yeah. Well, not only is it, talking like, is Vatican, it we're talking Vatican 1300s is what, what she's talking. And it, it, right. and, and it's, it is infuriating to me uh, that. Uh, well, even as a former Christian, I'm offended by that type of stuff. I'm like, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm former. I, I said that for, you know, whatever reason. But, In fact, I get you. Yeah. But you know, when, when you're not like a practicing, you know, actual religious person that you go to a church and your, your, your faith is shown by your works and not by your words, you know, uh, I'm not that guy anymore. But even as a person that, that had, had lived that way and stopped on purpose, it offends me that somebody would actually stand in front of a congregation and say something that ridiculous, inflammatory, and not true. You know, this is not, I mean, you're in government and you're, you're talking about something that is directly opposed to what the entire government was supposed to do for us. Yeah. You know, I, and yet I people still, I mean, she's going to win by a landslide, period. And there, yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no uh, fucking consequence yeah. to when these people say that stuff. No. And that, it's, it's, it's really, really frustrating. I mean, people, people don't scary. realize how dangerous, I mean, people can be upset about the Mar-a-Lago. I think it's funny that the same people who are screaming, never defund the police, they, they're our only protectors, are now screaming, defund the FBI, because they're investigating officials you want to watch one of the greatest things i've ever seen if you get a chance watch john stewart tear apart ted cruz <laughs> he he not, did not a, a tough he, one he went on he went on and i don't know if it was for his podcast or he just got frustrated or what but he there it, it's on youtube you can look it up he went up and he just completely broke ted cruz apart like a set of legos and explained policy like do you remember those whole like how a bill is made into a law <laughs> right. or the school school of rock stuff, even like, this is how it is. Like, you know, you remember those things, John Stewart yeah. in that way, without making anybody feel stupid, just did an elementary school level government lesson on this is how bills and laws and, and these things are presented and passed. 
and does it in a way that for one is hilarious and makes Ted Cruz look really stupid, which I personally enjoy because I don't like that guy. <laughs> um, thing is, I don't care about Ted Cruz's politics. I just don't like him. I just don't like the guy. He's highly unlikable. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, and some people just are like I. I know plenty of people that I do not agree with religiously, politically, but I like them. Plenty of people. Ted Cruz is one of those people. Every time he shows up, my 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 giant googly eyes want to run away. <laughs> well, it's it's hard to to give any kind of credence to somebody that is. Well, well, not credence, but like the fact that he he's so devoted to Trump after everything that he had said in the past, you know, it's like, how do, how do you stand up like that? You know, like, how do you, how do you allow this, this new ideology into your life so deeply that like, you can't even stand up for your family as a man and, and, you know, defend yourself, let alone just follow him into hell, you know? That's I think that's the thing I hate. Politicians are spineless, but he to me he to me is particularly like anybody that really just toes the Trump line, regardless. Like he's he doesn't give a fuck about any of them, but they they carry him on on his little his little chariot. Well, my biggest concern here. I mean, we're we're coming up on on you know, and and obviously the the Mar-a-Lago situation, the indictments in New York, the different things. Donald Trump may not be able to run for president again, but the issue that I'm running up against, there's a positive and negative too. The Trump era politics have so much strength and so much weight right now that whether Donald Trump runs for president again, he's going to affect the next presidential election. And then the same as he's affecting the primaries and things. Now, there's a positive side to that for Democrats in that they're kind of winning because Democrats are pretty united right now, which is rare. Um, So the Democrats are kind of winning their things, but I don't necessarily think that's a great thing either. I want to see balance. I want to see change. I want to see things growing and moving forward. And we have in the last few years taken monstrous steps back socially that it's in some ways there's just this giant irreparable scar that I don't know a lot of people are going to get over. And I think there's a lot of desensitization. And I think there's a lot of people that are just completely disenfranchised with the entire political system. And that's what gets me when you look at a situation of like, say civil unrest, civil war, or, I mean, obviously it's pretty easy for the, the, the highly populated areas in this country to go straight to riot. Sure. I mean, it doesn't take much. Well, to we've, spark that yeah, off. we've seen it recently. You know, yeah. That, and so you look at that, that's scarier to me than this concept of we're going to divide Republicans on one side and Democrats on the other. I don't, I don't see that as much. I see more a matter of we all get pissed off and we all just, it goes straight. And you said, you're not a patriot. I actually consider myself a patriot, but I don't consider myself pro-American. I don't even use the word, the term American. I'm not an American. I live in North America. We don't own the fucking continent. <laughs> right. No, I live in the United States. I'm a citizen of the U.S. of A, period. I believe in the basic tenets of what this country was founded on, the equalities and the opportunities but I also believe that that's colloquial and outdated and has been for about 200 fucking years. Well, and there's a good chance that it might've been like a smokescreen in general. 
Yes. You know, back when all that was going on, like they still had slaves. They, there was no. Yeah. All these, I mean, all these other movements. You can't came. talk equality when, when all you can't say all men are created equal, except if you have, you know, skin color. Correct. Like unless you're like, super rich and you can buy people. Yeah, you know, we're all created. Yeah, and 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 not to get too conspiracist or anything, but there is still a level of that going on. Where I mean, I see it right now. The old boys clubs exist in so many. I mean, in this town. Oh my god, I I can't talk about it much because it's still kind of going on, but. I faced a judge a couple of weeks ago who was willing to fight federal law because he was irritated. He was going to ignore federal law because he was in a bad mood. And that's what that's that's kind of what I was trying to point out earlier. It's like it's like the the importance and and the the push behind individuality has made the majority of us forget everything. Yeah. You know, now you said, you know, Republicans, Democrats, half and half or whatever, like they, they all have fucking forgot something super simple. They're supposed to be on the same team in the end. Yeah. You know, supposed it's to not be one like, common goal, one, one kind of offense and defense. Yeah. It's, it's, it's commonality that they just fucking forgot. Yeah. You know, well, you've got a Republican party that's split, in, split into three. You've got a Democratic party that's split into two. You've got so many different independent divisions. And it's almost like there's so much independent thought that there's no independent thought. Well, there's there's no way that there, like I said earlier, it's so granular, granular. There's no way to prop up anything of value, you know, because, you know, if it's just one person or three people saying it, like there's no way to, to shore it up. And if anything, it it kind of like, you know, again, shoots up the flare of like, oh, there, there's another group over there saying stuff. Let's not pay attention to that. Yeah. You know, they're not standing over here. So whatever they well, and there's know a common misconception. People don't remember how the government actually works in this country either. And that's part of it too, where if if you're if you have half a fucking brain, you should be able to remember that. In all honesty, there's a tertiary system so that there's checks and balances. And right now we have a Supreme Court kind of running amok and doing what they want, which is pissing off the legislative branch, which is supposed to be actually handling those things and introducing those things. And then you've got your executive branch, which is supposed to be overseeing the two of them to make sure that they're actually communicating, working together. They're all adversarial. They're all fighting each other. No one's actually communicating. And it's literally, well, you did this and you did if. if if somebody would just put a giant mirror in front of everybody so they'd stop pointing at each other and point at themselves for fucking five minutes, man, five minutes, except your role as a, uh, an elected leader of our nation and, and, or our region or our sector, if people would do that, and that starts on a local level, but if people would just for five fucking minutes, stop and go, why am I taking this stance? And does it represent my constituency, the people I was elected by? And I would wager to guess a solid 75% would be like, oops. Right. It's a hard conversation to have. Like it, it always has been. It's like for me, it's always has been because I wasn't I wasn't knowledgeable enough. Yeah. Now it's hard because there's no there's no way to to end it. You know, I think one of the things that happened to me recently that was was uh, 
shown a little light on this from a totally different angle was, you know, we, we do a lot of work with uh, veterans here, you know, and because of the community, you know, kind of being older, like, there's a lot of veterans for this small town, you know, and this guy in particular was a Vietnam vet and he kind of broke down the difference between like coming or no prepping to go to Vietnam and his, his, you know, ideology back then versus what he's looking at now. And he, he stopped a little short of saying, you know, I, I might've taken drastic action to not go to Vietnam back then. If I knew that, you know, 40, 50 years down the road, this is what we were dealing with. I've heard similar. I fought. I've heard similar from people who just got back from their second tour in Pakistan or their second tour in Afghanistan. I've heard that recently in the recent years, the same mentality. I've known going in what I know right now, I wouldn't have enlisted. Yeah. Or there, or, you know, I, I wonder, like, obviously very few opportunities anymore to talk to somebody that's world war two or anything like that. But you know, you kind of wonder if, if you were to talk to somebody that was still, you know, kind of politically plugged in what they would say about it, you know, it, to me, it makes more sense that, you know, uh, a recent uh, military serviceman would, would have beef with it. It was a little surprising to me that, I mean, he was basically saying that he didn't, he never, he never really co-signed on any of it. He didn't want to go to Vietnam. He thought it was, you know, there was no declaration of war. He thought it was, you know, smokescreen bullshit. He didn't want to go. And now just looking at the way everything is like, he still considers himself to be Republican, but he still now, because of what's going on, he feels the need to separate himself or encapsulate himself anyway from the rest because he doesn't agree with the inflammatory nature of like you know the MAGA Republicans or you know even just people that they just spout things like you know regurgitate lies that they saw on OAN or whatever you know yeah. or even CNN whatever whoever you look at and it, and it's a lie you know they I mean this guy went and fought and he feels the need to insulate himself from people that are supposed to think you know in, in a similar vein yeah well and I think that's really common I mean uh, talking to my dad and some of his there, it's all there is yeah. anymore. And that's, that's, that's where we're in trouble. I think, you know? Yeah. Well, talking to my dad about it and, and, and the people in his age group, like a lot of them are very opposing and politically, but they all kind of view the same thing is we're a fucked. That's like the <laughs> universal. They're like, we don't agree on anything except that we're fucked. And that, that's, that's, that's hard to swallow. Like for me, like, I, and like I say, I do, I do actually consider myself kind of a patriot and, and something that's why I pay attention. I have a very hard time swallowing any of the shit that is spoon fed to me by the media on either side, because I hate right. the fact that I have to say there's sides, right? There shouldn't be, there shouldn't be sides to this. There should be an inherent right and an inherent wrong. When you talk about world war two, we're talking about the mass genocide of an entire population of people based on religion or based on skin color, pretty easy to fight against that on a moral standpoint. Looking at Ukraine, 
it infuriates me at times that more people aren't actively getting involved in what's going on over there because it's not about anything other than money. This, the, the desert shield desert storm was about oil. Like we're, we're talking wars over dollar signs instead of moral rights and moral wrongs. Well, and I think it's, it's, it's coming to, to people's front door, you know, especially in America, like, I mean, we're lucky that, you know, we don't have somebody dropping bombs on us and, you know, having firefights near nuclear plants and, you know, yeah. scary, just ridiculous stuff. Yeah. But I think, you know, the, the minified geno genocide band name, uh, you know, anybody that, <laughs> really good. <laughs> yeah, only, only midgets though. And they're a tribute band to no one. Um, <laughs> they're tribute to themselves. Yeah, <laughs> I think you know, co-signing, <laughs> you know, cops shooting unarmed black dudes, and um, you know, like you were saying, even even the whole issue of abortion, you know, charging somebody with with murder when their health is at risk, you know, that they're they're being able to be here in the future is at risk. Um, I think. It, it bothers me that, you know, we've become so selfish that like none of these, none of these things, like they matter, but not to everyone, you know, um, they matter to a lot of people. And obviously there's people that are active and, you know, trying to make a difference. And I'm like, I'm the last one to say anything about any of it, you know, but I do think that it's this, it's the lack of, you know, common decency, and compassion for just people in general that, you know, it shores up the idea of like individualism and doing all this stuff and separating everyone apart from each other. You know, the, the idea of, of being a patriot or, you know, being an American is just, just lost. Like, like you were saying, fuck, you know? Yeah. Like, well, what's the scariest thing to anybody? In and now this, Say it again, sorry. What's the scariest thing to anybody in a position of power? Right. A unified front. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there, there's no such thing. There's little ones, yeah. <laughs> mini ones. You know? Yeah. If you but, got an actual unified front to actually step up and do something, I mean, we saw it in, in the big cities in 2020. You get enough people pissed off and they step up, you can't ignore it. How long do you think before law enforcement is a subscription-based thing? Uh, dude. <laughs> dude, like, uh, you imagine? I, I have a lot like, of friends who are cops, and I, I'm never going to be one of those people that subscribes to, and, and this is the first time I've gone to jail a lot. I've been arrested a lot. I've had a lot of really bad experiences, but I will never say all cops are bad. I just believe that one bad cop can completely poison an entire well. Yeah. And that's, that's been my biggest struggle. Well, and I also think that there are people in positions of power that they, they find some sort of, you know, some more power or some sort of, I don't know, some kind of warm fuzzy from having a pool of poison. No, it, yeah. it is. It's absolutely like being able to control that. There's there's that, and there's also accidental corruption. People who don't know that there's a different way or the way they're supposed to do it, they're taught the wrong way. 
And so they continue to do it. I mean, there are simple existences and simple things we take for granted that we do every day that are actually illegal or or morally reprehensible, but because we were taught that way, like like racism, you're not born racist. You're taught that. Right. You're not born misogynist. You're taught that. Like it, it's it's something that should be more recognized and and kind of it's like we're indoctrinated to accept what's around us rather than look beyond that. But then when we do look beyond that, we're looked down upon for looking elsewhere to find the truth. There's no winning. There's no winning there, especially in a society that is so based on participation is all that matters. Everybody needs to take part. Everybody wins. Look how great we are. You don't have, we, we aren't a nation. The reason we're not a world superpower and the, you know, we're a joke because we're not developing leaders. We're developing figureheads and celebrities. We're developing puppets. We're not developing any kind of actual substantive true leader, a person that lives by example with the good and the bad. I kind of had this weird thought the other day that like politicians, this was kind of what I was thinking about the chat I had with that vet. And I was like, well, you know, just trying to grasp it like a new idea. You know, of course, they're half-baked and not very smart, but, uh, you know, maybe, maybe our politicians, like one of, the thing, one of the things that really, really pisses me off about, you know, politicians on Twitter is the amount of, you know, keyboard tough guy that seemingly, you know, Democrats do it too, but Republicans seem way more, you know, in for that whole smoke show. And like saying, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna go after the FBI and and Ray and all this stuff for all the you know overreaching and you know illegal activity, talking about Mar-a-Lago and all that. And uh, you know, we're 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 coming for you when this is all over. It's like you're not gonna do any of that. You know, maybe my, the thought popped in my head like, well, what if what if our politicians could only be like former servicemen? You know. Like you, you cannot be a congressman or a senator or anything like that without having had to put your life on the line to come back to a better country, you know? There's some substance to that. I mean, I, I still find it odd that civilians can be our commander in chief. If you've never done any military planning, it's basically playing a game of risk. You're, you're trusting a person to be the commander in chief who may have zero tactical knowledge whatsoever. Well, we, we've lived through that a few times, but exactly. I mean, going back but, to the pigs, I mean, go back. That was, that was a blunder above, above all blunders back in the sixties. And people look at it like, Oh, that was, we won that one. No, we got lucky and nobody we got lucky. Died. Yeah. Nope. We got lucky no one hit shit. the switch. Yeah. yeah. Because both sides were ready to. Right. And then, I was going to say. The other I side of that that people forget, though, is most people in the Soviet Union, they believed what they were doing was right. Nazis believed in what they believed in. Correct. The Whigs, the Republicans, the Nationalists, the Sentinels, they believed in what they believed in. And, and <clears throat> you know, the militia now. Belief in something is just as dangerous as hope if it's misguided or it's been determined to be morally skewed 
right. there's no such thing as a, as a, as a, a, a pure intention anymore. And so many different organizations are built upon a concept of what may have started as a great idea, but turned into something. It was, it was, it was distorted and, and defiled in a way that we can't come back from. Even right. the best of intentions can pave the way to hell. We've all learned that. I guess I'm trying to figure out where we as a nation or we, not even as a nation, where we as individuals can step in and take responsibility for our own actions and go, here's where the line stops. I say it all the time. I will step in and if, if I see a wrongdoing and I do nothing about it, I'm just as guilty of the wrongdoing. I right. truly believe that. And I live that way to the point where I, I have people that were the closest friends I've ever had. I have nothing to do with and never will again because they crossed a line they cannot come back from. Right. Well, I guess when, when, when you have that, you know, ceremonial tag on you, you can just act however you want and, and you can call it whatever you want, but in the name of, you know, righteousness in your country and all that kind of stuff. And how many millions of people have died in the name of God? Right. Why would that ever be something any supreme being would want? Well, let's not hope that, or let's hope that it doesn't turn into like how many people are going to die now in the name of Trump. Yeah. Cause that's, that, that's what I think is frightening. You know, like I've, I've actually had the opportunity to sit across from an oath keeper and hear some of the stuff and like, you know, those guys I think are, are a hard pill to swallow because like they did serve, you know, whether it was law enforcement or military, but they're, they're so up their own ass with the ideology that they, they are willing to hurt people to, for their agenda. Yeah. And that, that's the scary, you know, it's, it's not, it's not how bad, you know, bad men do things, but it's like how much further can someone else go? You know, well, look at, look at the Unabomber. Okay. The Unabomber had a million great ideas in his manifesto. Honest to God, great ideas. Right. He just felt the need to blow people up to get his point out there. Yeah. It was very comic booky. You know, it's literally, I mean, well, Mr. Glass, there you go. The fucking, you know, Shyamalan's Mr. Glass actually isn't the bad guy. He's trying to open the world up to, to view things really and look at the reality of what we're actually up against. Be, be open to this can actually exist through violence. Right. I mean, that, that, that kind of shit is, is in some ways real. Many serial killers, many uh, extremists, domestic terrorists, they truly just believe that what they're doing. And in some instances, where they start and what they're trying to put out there is not a bad thing they just demonize it and make something evil out of it like it's it's like i don't know i used to joke that like i, I don't know if you've ever watched the avns versus like the oscars a little yeah <laughs> <laughs> the porn stars dress more conservatively than many people who go to the oscars or the emmys Correct. They look classier. It's treated with more respect. There's more equality and everybody is clapping for everybody. It's not nearly as competitive. It's let's build each other up. And I've always joked that if 
a porn star. I mean, you've seen it before. Attention, my boobs. Now that I've got your attention, here's the actual thing. Right. If more people would actually adopt that kind of extremist positive vibe and, and get people to pay attention it's, without having to be so extreme. It's underdog mentality. Yeah, it's, it's impossible to be quiet and get your point across anymore, it feels like. And, and yet it's those quiet people that know they're right that aren't getting listened to that become dangers down the road for one reason or another, because their, their view, their, their point of view, their image, their whatever gets distorted or they themselves get distorted because no one's listening. Well, you and I can, you know, feel good about the fact that, you know, we, we were alive during a time when it was normal ish, you know, um, we didn't have to go to war. We didn't, you know, we've seen things politically, but like we didn't have to participate or be forced to do it. We got to, you know, be capitalists and have fun and 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 literally do whatever you want for a time, you know. Because I think I think what's what's a little frightening now is just, you know, this this is the best part. And it's starting to decline, you know, like if you are religious, you know, this is this is the 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 feet of clay and iron, you know. Yeah. This, this, this the statue's gonna fall. Yeah, yeah. times. And and I guess right. that to me is like, but but how much of our society in the United States affects the society on the rest of the planet? And that's the other side of it that kind of gives me like kind of the warm fuzzies is that you know, not to Jeff Goldblum too much, but life finds a way. And I feel like there would be on some level a global response to at some point the rest of the planet's gonna look around. I was like, all right, you dumb little shit sit the fuck down and listen you're fucking grounded we're taking your toys away and it'll turn into a fucking fight or it'll turn into a oh shit we we you know it's not so much that i'm mad but i'm disappointed and and we'll have those <laughs> you know I, I and i keep hope i, I kind of hope for that well so I mean, we're, we're in the anniversary tomorrow's 9 11 correct you know and and it's a day to me that that has been Everybody has those moments of, you know, where were you when? And we're old enough to know what we were doing. I mean, we were into adulthood and into cognizance when that happened. The way this country felt for the four or five years after that is very similar to the way I feel right now. It's just pointed very differently. If you'd asked me the year after 9-11, if I thought this nation was going to survive, I would have told you no. I was more concerned about the government falling apart then than I am now. What I'm concerned about now is society taking it into its own hands, our, our population and running with the wrong ideals and, and modicums. And we're looking at hunger, hunger games level uprising. Right. Where the government has to step in and swat the shit out of the general population. That's my worry. Well, and it's something to worry about, and 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 then yet yeah, the other side, like they're they're all pissed off at at the president now for saying something to that effect. You know, like if if you're if you're truly going to make an uprising, you know, you are, you tried once, you you succeeded in part. You know, January. Mm-hmm. Like if if you if you decide you're going to get loose and do it again, like 
you're you have a massive force to deal with and he was talking about the army you know and i'm like like he's he's speaking truth you know like i've never had any any uh I never thought that if, if they had to, like if, if, you know, Proud Boys, Oath Keepers, whoever else, like actually united to, to start a, a war, there's no part of me that didn't think that the army wouldn't respond, you know, to a domestic terrorist, essentially. Yeah. You know, very frightening. But like, you know, of course, the Republicans are like, oh, he's, you know, he's, he's further dividing the country. Like, nah, 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 nah. The, the country's divided. Like, and not just in half, it's divided. It's like shattered. Said, it's shattered. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's just saying, like, what will happen? Too bad you don't like it. Too bad that you're, you know, you, you probably don't like it because you think you're on the wrong side of it. You know? I don't know. Well, and uh, that's, you know, yeah. that's a pretty good pin in that one. I mean, that, that's, that is kind of what it boils down to. Well, it's... It's funny because in, in my head, I, and I know that it, it's it's bad on both sides, but and I don't even consider myself like, a, especially not a patriot, but for sure not Democratic or Republican. But the like you were saying, you know, people have to be screaming to get a point across. Watch them when they're being really quiet. You know, like right now, you know, the Trump's ex lawyer, that Ty Cobb, he came out and said, you know. It's a long shot, but they're gonna they're gonna use. I don't know the article off the top of my head, but there's a little portion of the Constitution that can can possibly block Trump from holding office again because he's an insurrectionist. Yeah, you know, one of his own lawyers went on TV and said that. Now we all know that only a sliver of people saw that clip or even know about it, but I mean that that should freak people out. That should scare people that are pro or you know that his line you know and they clam up a little bit to me that's very telling like how loud they are versus like what potentially could be right or could be what's coming down the pipe for them is super telling you know silence is deafening you know and i think i think it's just because you know maybe you're taking up a cause of like you have nothing to do with and maybe you shouldn't you know i don't know Again, I think it's maybe political, <laughs> political makes it harder to speak intelligently on it because you see so much bullshit. It's like to to me, I, I feel like it's it's right to not want civil war over right. a celebrity, you know? Right. Because that's all it is. Like bo- boil it down further for me. You can. I mean, it's one guy, one celebrity, one. You know, clearly not all that smart about policy or about much of anything, you know. And and this is this is what you're willing to do, like the, the hill you're willing to die on, you know. Well, and people have been doing it in this in this country for a couple hundred years, so it's not entirely shocking. Correct. But I don't know. I I I, I am yeah, my frustration day to day on this stuff. I, I literally say probably 20 articles a week and I do fact checking and I do all this stuff and I just go through all of it and I, I can spiral out for forever. But what it boils down to is how you set for yourself the example you set. And the question that we as, a, as individuals need to ask yourself, at what point are we willing to pull a trigger ourselves? Yeah. 
I mean, that's that 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 literally, I mean, figuratively or literally, that is where we are. Is at what point is it life or death for you? Right. And that's and I, and I think that's, I don't like being forced into that. I don't like that I'm being forced to think that way. But that's one of the chasms too, because not everybody can even can even go there mentally. You know, like not bragging, <laughs> but I, I was in an actual like pistol training class earlier today. You know. As much as I enjoy like the entertainment value of all that stuff, like I'm doing that for a reason, you know, because I've had this long and hard thought for many years, like way before all this stuff started, you know, politically. And I mean, obviously politics go on, but, you know, this particular context, um, COVID and, you know, the wars and, you know, the, the civil unrest and all, you know, Trumpism, MAGA, all that kind of stuff. You know, the idea of, having to defend yourself maybe if it's it's not from a militia person it's just somebody breaking in your house you know like can you mentally be ready for that and i think there's a, a vast majority of people that have it's not even in Mike their said it best everybody has a plan until you get hit yeah <laughs> period you don't know how you're going to react as somebody who's been literally at knife point at gunpoint at these situations had my life threatened had my loved ones threatened had people you don't know how you're gonna react to you there the same as when you see a fucking accident and how you respond to it or you witness somebody get really hurt and how you until you experience it you don't know we like to tell ourselves that we know what we would do in every situation we're all full of shit Correct. The experience itself is the only determiner there. Right. And you can go out. I mean, I have friends that go out and they do airsoft and they go and they do all these military training, pseudo militaristic things. And they think they're all big and badass. And then they go up against actual military. And like, we didn't know shit. You talk a good game. I have one friend, you know, she was dating a guy who was telling everybody he was a Marine. And she thought that for several years and just found out recently he was never a Marine. <laughs> like he 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 enlisted and went through the basic processes and then never went but he knew enough that until he was around actual military nobody called him out on it <clears throat> you don't know how you're going to act in any situation and the same is you know i have friends who don't have kids who love to pass judgment on parents i have friends who have kids who mm -hmm. like to pass judgment on the non-parents like shut the fuck up like yeah, it's, it, it, it doesn't compute. It doesn't cross over and it doesn't relate to anything until you're actually in it. Right. Yeah. You have no way of knowing, you know, like, it, it, like you said, accident, you know, like somebody just slips and falls and there's a lot of blood somehow, you know, like if you've been through that, you know, and maybe, you know, you're, maybe you were right on it, you know? Maybe, maybe you went and helped and you, you know, there was no lag in, in action, you know, but until you're there, you don't know. Nope. So. And that, that's exactly how it works. And, and I guess I, you know, I have friends, you know, EMTs, cops, different people. They're like, yeah, even like I'm trained, I'm trained to do everything. There's a, there's a firefighter that I know who, uh, I mean, he's a firefighter. He's very good at his job. He's been training for years and his, something happened in his garage or something like that. And he's like, I broke like four cardinal rules trying to get to my, just to get to my car in my garage. Like didn't feel for heat. Didn't do this. Like my training went out the window because it was my house. 
Right. And he burned the shit out of himself because he panicked. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm literally there training these people to do this. And then it happens to me and I just fucking, I'm an idiot. And it, 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 that's just how life is. And I don't get why people don't understand that. So when we're talking on a grand scale, like until you're faced it, until you know the situation of sitting across from somebody that you are morally opposed to or politically opposed to, and they react. I mean, most people are so non-confrontational. They, they'll just, oh, it's fine. It's fine. You know, there's, there's those people that are going to hit first and ask questions later. There are those people that are going to fucking play Monday morning quarterback. And this is how it should have been. The bottom line is nobody knows until you're there. And we forget that we forget that too often. And so there's all this speculation, all these things. And meanwhile, we're still a nation that's fake focused on Sunday afternoon football and who's going to, I mean, it's let's everybody stay distracted and everybody stay off point. And yet everybody has an opinion. And dumb. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty wild. You know, just even even when you talk about polls, you know, you said earlier 60% think we're going to some kind of civil unrest, you know. Well, you know, then they take another poll about the you know the president's speech, and you know, now now 40% of Americans think that mega Republicans are a threat to democracy. It's like that's 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 like a nice little pacifier for for people that are worried, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you want you want to look at actual statistics. You want like a look at our last election, and in a lot of ways, I view our last election is there's still a whole lot of really racist fucking people in this country. Oh my god! <laughs> and that, alive that, and well, that Chicken. one that one just thriving. I've never been able to understand homophobia or or xenophobia. I I can't I can't. I, I can't, I'm physically incapable of understanding it. I don't think I have ever looked at a single person in my life and, and my first impression was I'm frightened of them because they're different. Right. Well, that's a nice thing to have that apparently, you know, 70% of our country doesn't. So yeah, I just, <laughs> it, 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 it blows me away. And I, and the fact, the number of people have to live scared and have to live, I mean, I miss the days when it was like, I have tattoos and I need a job full-time, please employ me. That seems simple now. That was a big deal 20 years ago. Like I have tattoos and I can't get a regular job. Now I'm like, fuck, that was little shit. Right. Yeah. It's, it's pretty weird how even the last decade, how different things are, you know, it's, it's actually one of the reasons that I, that I kind of like. I have anxiety over doing the podcast anymore is, you know, just the, the, the worry that you're going to say something that you shouldn't, you know, or, or whatever. And like, the reality is like, there's, there's nothing, there's no hate. There's no, yeah. like you were saying, there's no race. Like I could say it, but like, do I really believe it? Did I say it for a joke? You know, it's hard to, there are there are things that can I shouldn't be I shouldn't worry about it like obviously yeah, there's things that can be misinterpreted but but I don't believe in coddling the masses for the sake of not having a point and that's been one of my big things the whole reason that we all started this was a because we're ridiculous and kind of funny but it also was that you, you know it's okay to speak your mind you know, people talk about I want a safe place I want a safe place this is a safe place to literally be I can't wait for the days like I, I and I'm gonna do this just so you're aware 
Um, I know you know Alexi a little bit. I've talked to you about him and the fact that he's excommunicated and everything too. I can't wait to get both of you in a room at the same time to discuss your relationship with the church because you both come from very similar places and have completely different views. And it's a, it's so fascinating to me. And it's something that I myself can't relate to raised right. the way I was. So for me, that's, that's an example. It's something where you both have very similar reasons, backgrounds, consequences say, but have completely different takes on the same. I love that. That's where it is, is is that going to be a popular episode? Probably not. Do I care? Not in the slightest, because to me, it's fascinating. Correct. <laughs> and for the 10 or 15 people or the 100 people or the 500 people who relate to that, that's what it's for. That's why yeah. every episode is different. That is why, for me, having this podcast is not about any one thing. It's about all things. It's encompassing it all. Like, I have... I'm having another porn star on. We're not talking about porn. We're talking hey. about just, she's talking about being repressed in a relationship and finding a way out of that. And then ghosts and the other shit that she finds interesting and, and riding her motorcycles. Like that's, that's what we're talking about. People have an expectation. You think it's just going to be one thing. Well, and it is, it is a nice feeling because like the majority of people don't get the time or the opportunity to practice speaking their mind. Now, if the reason you do that or you don't do that is because, you know, you don't want other people to say what's on or to hear what's on your mind, that's one thing, you know, but and that's you should theory. be able to, yeah, you should be able to yeah. have that opportunity. And I, that, that's why I do appreciate doing this. So oh. thanks, man. Oh, absolutely. Well, we rambled enough probably and confused some people and pissed some people yeah. off. So it'll be good. Um, I'm going to put controlled demise on this one because they just dropped a new single here and holy shit is it the best material they've ever done I'm so proud of those boys so can't wait to get that on here we'll have that on um, anything you're working eyes, on anything you want to shout out cut rolled them eyes t-shirts available on the uh, yeah. Facebook I'm sure oh absolutely <laughs> God, they're so much fun I can't wait to get Zach back on the show because have you ever watched the first like 10 minutes of the episode I did with Keith and Zach from Swinging News? No. It's the most chaotic thing I've ever done in my life. And it was so, I laughed the whole time. I, I can watch that. I go back and watch it. It's been a year, over a year. I can still go back and watch that and laugh my ass off because it was, that is the epitome of what it's like to hang out with us as a group because we, I just sat down in the cameras, we were just rolling and it's from my perspective and it's fucking whole, I mean, watching them <laughs> argue with each other, watching, I mean, there's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And it's the one episode I wish more people would, because if you want to know what it's like to hang out with us, because people are like, it must be so much glamorous and so fun. Go watch that. It's chaos. It's absolute chaos. And it makes me so fucking happy. <laughs> <laughs> Right on, man. So, well, appreciate you well, taking hey, time uh, out of your day. Yeah, I'll call you in here a little bit. We'll chat. Okay. Yeah. Badly. Okay. Good thank day. you again. Absolutely. Everybody listening, stay safe. Reach out to people. Don't do dumb shit. Don't buy into dumb shit. Don't accept dumb shit. And don't be a dumb shit. Dumb shit. Dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs>
Hi, my name is Madman and I'm an alcoholic. You got a drink and establishment, you can have my wallet. This is exactly why I can't have nice things. Never drink again without a long part drinks. But sundown recovery happens in quitting time. And you can bet I'm getting mine about half past five. Happy hour with